Hey, you trash lovers. Welcome to another episode of Borderline Texas Trash. Surely you're going to love episode 15. They probably will, but don't call them Shirley. Damn it. They might get offended by that. Unless their name is Shirley. Well, that guy on airplane, that's all he kept saying. Shirley, you're not serious. (laughs) I'm serious and don't call me Shirley. We had to watch that last night. If you have never seen it, it's an old dry comedy. You should watch it. Hey, guys, we have an idea for a podcast to watch along, and it's going to be on Grease. Why don't y'all DM us on Facebook and tell us what y'all think? Yeah, like any ideas, really, for any kind of watch-alongs. And I I was thinking of doing our shout-outs and stuff and emails and where we're at towards the end. So, Absolutely. Freaking A. That way we'll have more arts and crafts time at the front of it to say, hey, our week's been good. Yeah, hey, you. It's uh, trucking along. Not really any new news, but not really no, any bad really. news. Nothing bad. Nothing really good. Just we'll kind of same one old thing. shit. It's hard as shit to find out stuff about all the perverts in Hollywood. They're not talking about that. That is something that I would like to announce is that we we don't talk about politics or anything on here. But in general, like the huge Hollywood Slash political pedophile movement. Yeah. Ridiculous. That island with the crap Pedophilia is not a sexual orientation. Get that shit out of here. Yeah. We kill pedos around here. I mean, I've never actually killed a pedo, but if somebody got a hold of my kid, I'd do time in prison. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's, that's really like... I guess the hot thing right now, but yeah, I'm not even mad about the black Lives matters and the protest and what's pissing me off is nobody's talking about, yeah, no one's talking about it. Where's these kids voices at, you know, they're probably going to make us take this episode down because we mentioned it. They've been taking stuff off of Facebook, but I guess we'll get off of that subject. And how's y'all's been going (laughs) that way. They, if they take it, it will still be talking. Yeah. Absolutely. We're just covering our ass from the guy, uh, you know, big brother, brother. Brother. So, want to start out with some uh, stupid news around the world today? I would love to. Oh, gosh, you're going to love this one. You know how in baseball, they or sports, period, there's no fans? And the yeah, fans, don't they have the cutouts? Yeah, they have the cutouts. Now, in <laughs> Japan, they have baseball. And you know what they're doing? Because they're so smart with the robots. They're oh, having no. robots in the stands dancing and stuff. They're probably like used sex dolls. Oh, God. <laughs> Yay, Johnny. Bat me. Bat <laughs> me. <laughs> Weren't they the ones Strike that... Strike down the middle. Weren't they the ones that made the realistic ones? Oh, yeah. Them or China. One oh, in... Japan. Sorry. That's yeah. racist. Not the same thing. I know. And then uh, a vermar, a vermit, <laughs> a, vermat, a vermin, a Vermont farmer returns prosthetic leg that skydiver lost during a jump. It was well. That's his, really nice. Of it him. was in his field. Those are expensive. Could you imagine? No, you're out but... there in your tractor or doing your field work, and what the, the hey, pick that up that, over that there. That there's leg. Yeah. Could you imagine? That'd be freaking crazy. Now, where is, like, the least place you would expect to find an alligator? Oklahoma? Try Chicago. What? Yeah, there was one in Chicago at uh, one of the lakes up there. 
And apparently, he was only three and a half foot. He wasn't that big. Yet. He was a little one. Yeah. But uh, apparently, he's been there for a while because the, his name is uh, Alex. Oh, so they the, even named him. Yeah, like, the, he just hangs out. The, yeah, the neighborhood that it lives around the lake calls him Everybody Alex. just lets him live there. I guess so. Well, that's that, nice. The, the swimmers that reported him, I guess, weren't from around the area. So when they reported it... At first, you know, everybody she, was like, "Oh, that's just Alex." Yeah, <laughs> don't worry about and it. They're it's like, just Alex. so they, but for everybody's safety, they had to take him and they're going to ship him down south somewhere, probably Aww. to a zoo or something, or back in the wild. But Alex wants. Mm. Yeah, but how's he going to survive up there? I don't see how he survive. I mean, like I the know winters. that's what I was about to say. As soon as winter comes, oh, he'll God, yeah. freeze to death. So. It'd be a gator sickle. <laughs> but ding ding. Oh, God dang. This one's hilarious. <laughs> this is the pie bandit. This guy was going... Well, what he was doing, he was uh, sitting in a parking lot and watching girls stalking him. Whoever was Ew, the cutest and had like the tightest shorts on and the skimpiest dresses and all that. When they went in the store, he would go out and put like a regular pie under their back tire. So they would, when they seen it, they would see it and bend over and pick it up, and he was taking pictures. What a fucking pervert! Yes, he was fucking putting full size. Did he get pies. caught? In yeah, trouble? that's how he got caught. <laughs> what a jerk! Yeah. So, ladies, or men, you don't know about this guy. If you get out and go inside of the store and come out, and there's a pie under your tire, look around. <laughs> it's not uh, America's Funniest Videos. <laughs> This guy's uh, stroking it to your uh, image. Then, of course, I can't ever forget, you know, leave Florida out. They've always got something going. Always. But a Florida man was arrested uh, about a week ago for kicking the ducks and the swans in a park. That's not very nice. He was practicing his fucking karate. <laughs> Where do you practice your karate at? In the park on the ducks? <laughs> Fuck them ducks. People had pictures and he was all, yeah, bah, and he, was What like, an what? idiot. I, I, I couldn't quit laughing. I'm sorry, I just had the middle picture and the picture of this guy just nicking the shit out of some ducks and swans. <laughs> when they get up to fly, he roundhouses them. Wow! Good. <laughs> Good. <clears throat> yeah, but he got uh, tossed in the shitter. He got tossed in the can. Oh, he went to jail for that? Yeah. Well, You can't go around kicking ducks. You want me to test it out? <laughs> oh, don't. I'll tell you if I get arrested next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find her mug shot and everything. That See, that's great. all they're talking about. That's it. Yeah. There's no Hollywood. The only some kind of news I had was we already talked about the pedo thing. I'm sorry, I ate too much. Yeah, and we didn't want to do the podcast on a empty stomach because I, I hate went, talking uh, and I hate hearing my stomach go. But Stephen just had to make a perfect brisket. Hey, and... I put it in the crock pot all freaking day and night. You know what I mean? And I ate way too much. Oh, God. We all OD'd on some brisket. So I'm a little bit brisket sleepy. Oh. Uh, the only other news thing that I wanted to talk about because I thought it was a little weird. 
Um, Record-setting summer temperatures across Siberia are opening. Siberia? Open, yeah, are opening up the. And I'm really sorry if I pronounce anything wrong today. Oh, I they a got a big, big glacier up there. It's uh, called the Batagaika Mega Slump. The locals call it the gateway to the end of the world. Yeah. It's basically just like a large glacier slash crater. Yes. Um, it is identified as such because of its it's a deep pit of methane gas. And um, it appeared in the Siberian Republic of Saka in the 1960s after forest area was cleared, causing the land to sink in. It's currently the world's largest mega slump, and it's about half a mile wide and roughly 270 foot deep. And as the ice around the edges melts away, the crater is showing evidence of the growing rate at about 30 to 100 foot per year. I've seen they that. They think on it's the, getting uh... deeper, too. And they're finding all kinds of shit in it, like real well preserved remains of animals and plants. Oh, that have, God, yes. That have been extinct since the ice, since ice Age. Dude, there's uh, another place in uh, Siberia. Siberia. Because, you know, it's always so cold. And it's the same thing. It's a, uh, a damn. A glacier that's sorry. <laughs> it's a glacier that's not uh, that's melting, and they're getting like full intact mammoths, woolly Holy mammoths. Holy shit! Yeah, it's crazy. That'd be well, so cool. And see, that's what scares me. No one wants to think about that. You know, the globe. You know, if them glaciers keep melting. Oh yeah, no. They it's... say within close to a hundred years, mineral wells would be like oceanfront property. Yeah, that's how much everything's gonna rise. They said it's and already we're rose. like what six hours from the coast. Yeah, yeah. And then it messes up the water temperatures in the uh, great coral reefs around Australia. Some They're of them dying. are dying. They're dying. And we need them for our ecosystem, but no one gives a crap about that. Either. Well, unfortunately, as humans, our biggest fault is that we just destroy everything we yes, touch. Yes, we do. We're like that little girl and a puppy. Oh, I love you and squeeze you and hold you <laughs> and call you for my own. And then we end up just spilling oil. And But I still thought that was interesting. That's cool, though. Do you remember a couple years ago from, they thought it was from fracking. They thought it was from, like, all the earthquakes and everything else. I think it was in California, maybe. The sinkholes that just kept popping up. And there oh, was like yes. that one that popped up in the guy's house and he heard his buddy in the other room literally fall in the hole and like they could never find him again. Yeah. Can yeah. you imagine just chilling right now and the living room just gets sucked in? Well, what's happening too? a lot of them places are built on limestone and limestone after time shifts. It, the water comes down, but underground it makes these caverns and starts, you know, because that water eats away That'd limestone. Be cool. And then next thing you know, you got... Underground cave. That's how they got them underground caverns in uh, Mexico and all that, where the Aztecs and uh, the Mayans had. I would like to go, but it's not safe to travel there anymore. Yeah, unfortunately. Because man, they're exploring so much. They use this thing called a lidar, and they can fly over a forest now and delete the the forage. And they'll show you what was there. They're finding, like, more pyramids of Aztecs, more Maya and Hell stuff. yeah. Well, because, like they said, when they left, they just, it all overgrown. I'm all about that history, man. <laughs> yeah, history. <laughs> history. <laughs> I'll be like that that nasty sci or history teacher that used to do this and look down the girls' blouses. 
Yes. Be the old, old dirty professor. Just call me old dirty bastard professor. We're going to keep going with the mob style crime spree shit that we're covering right now because as all, you all should know and Steven knows, I am dying, but I have said I'll wait till September to start recording spooky stuff. I got away with last week's episode because because yeah, a friend requested it, and he it was a friend request. Evidence. It was the only request we've had for the podcast, and it was still a murder and not one hundred percent spooky. But I hope y'all are ready. I'll be covering aliens. I'll be covering ghosts, all kinds of shit in September and October. And who knows? I might be covering you. Yeah, but. For now, we are still doing mob stuff, and yeah. I decided to educate y'all oh. on the original machine gun Kelly. Yeah, not that stupid dip that wraps with the <laughs> tattoos. That's not machine gun Kelly. You know what's funny, too, is everybody everybody in our family knows that we record on Wednesday, and almost all the younger people said, you know, what are you going to do today? And I said, machine gun Kelly, and even Lexi was like, the rapper? And I was like, no. That's why I wanted the her to do it. The original Machine Gun Kelly, he ripped that name off of a gangster. Yeah, trying to be cool. I would kind of fit him in the same group as, like, John Dillinger. He's that. He's just And he's like, in the same kind of yeah. era. Well, that's like that uh, rapper. His name was... He, he stole the name Rick Ross from the real Rick Ross that was a drug dealer. Oh, I didn't know he that. He took his name. That guy that sings that song, Every Day I'm Hustling. Yeah. Well, he's a big fake. He was a fucking security guard. And the record company grabbed him up and said, Hey, we're going to slap Rick Ross on you. And Really? Yeah, they took that motherfucker's name and made money off of it. The government so fucked him So disappointing. Everybody yeah. sucks. <laughs> mm, and swallows. They do. <clears throat> See, this is real gangsta stuff. It is. Now, I'm going to tell you guys ahead of time that I had a little bit of a rough time putting timelines together because every article, they met, the storylines matched up, but everybody had the dates a little wrong. So feel free if you're listening to this and you actually happen to know about him. If I say anything wrong, you know, shoot, shoot us a message or whatever. I'll be happy to correct it. But Just don't just, use a Tommy gun. Just bear with me. <laughs> And so today I will be covering George Kelly Barnes, a.k.a. the original Machine Gun Kelly. Yes. The original Machine Gun Kelly was an American bootlegger, bank robber, and kidnapper who made headlines in the 1930s. He was sentenced to life in prison along with his wife, Catherine Kelly, in 1933. I can't, that is so long ago. That's I wonder crazy. if that's her. Which one? Right there. That's pick. Yeah, that, uh, that one's her. He was See? married. He was married twice. He was and married twice. These, so, guys, these guys could clean up good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, just like John Dillinger, he was a very good-looking man. Had like a baby face. Always fixed his hair. Um, usually had like nice clothes on. All of his mugshots, he looks like a good-looking dude. <clears throat> George Kelly Barnes was born on July eighteenth in eighteen ninety-five in Memphis, Tennessee. To insurance executive George Frederick Barnes Jr. and Elizabeth Kelly Barnes. He was raised in a respectable neighborhood and attended Central High School. Um, now, with the date mix-up things, everybody on the internet can't seem to pinpoint his exact 
birth year. Some say it was 97, some say it was 95, and his son stated in a book that he was born in 1900. So, the just wanted to clarify that the 1895, I'm not 100% sure. But little, unfortunately, little is known about his parents, his early life, and his childhood. It basically is, this is where he was born, this yeah, is where he was see, born too. Copper, you'll never get me, copper. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's what I look it's like. It's okay. When I seen that picture, that's all I can think about. I mean, was, I can yeah, hear Yeah, see? <laughs> He's playing on his Google machine. Yeah, I'm looking at a... Some little gangster, and it just made me laugh. Babyface Nelson. So, his early life story. We're going to start actually in college because I don't. I couldn't find anything childhood. See, I didn't know he went to college. I bet you. It didn't last very long. Oh. (laughs) Um, In September 1917, he enrolled at Mississippi A and M. Later on, Mississippi State University in Jackson to study agriculture. However, he was a poor student and was in constant trouble with the faculty. His first semester alone, he was giving 31 demerits. And in the first few weeks of the second semester, was given another 24. Damn. <laughs> so uh. he left college um, not even a year later on January 27, 1918. But while he was in college, he met his first wife, Geneva Ramsey. She was the daughter of a successful Memphis businessman named George F. Ramsey. And um, she was also from Memphis. They eloped in Clarksdale, Mississippi in 1919 and went on to have two sons, Bruce and George Jr. He didn't have any with his second wife. So these are the only two kids that he had. And I tried to find the name of the book. I'm just not completely sure. But one of the boys apparently wrote a book about his dad. Um, in the beginning, Geneva's father did not care for Kelly. <clears throat> but... Um, they became pals. Yeah, they did, actually. Despite his initial dislike and mistrust of George Barnes, um, he had developed a prosperous business building levees and railroads in the Mississippi River Valley and believed Barnes was trying to make an honest effort to turn his life around, like for the kids and stuff, so he offered him a job. The pair, from what I could read, got close. Um, They developed mutual respect, and Barnes even looked up to him as a father figure. But unfortunately, in the mid-1920s... Ooh, the 20s. Yeah, well, this this is one of the sad parts. Prohibition time. Unfortunately, in the mid-1920s, however, um, Ramsey, the father-in-law, died as a result of a dynamite accident. Hey. The incident supposedly devastated George and sent him into a tailspin that led to one failed job after another. Um, the widow, Geneva's mother, sold the business and tried to help her um, daughter and their family out um, and gave them a few options for fresh starts, uh, a used car business, which didn't work out, and a goat farm, which didn't work out. So then Barnes turned back to his father and tried the insurance business. But when this did not produce the results he wanted, he turned back to bootlegging. Because it was the one thing that he had achieved some success in. Well, he could make some good money. Exactly. Um, His wife was firmly against his career move and repeatedly threatened to divorce him on several occasions eventually after multiple failed attempts to make it work geneva packed up the family and returned to memphis this time leaving barnes for good 
Um, later on in time, she was granted a divorce. I didn't, I couldn't find much else about his sons after this. So huh. I don't think he really spent a whole lot of time with them. Probably not because he was always on the go. Yeah. So now he's completely on his own again. And instead of going by um, George Barnes, he now goes by George Kelly. He stayed in Kansas City for a while and developed a small bootlegging business. Working with several partners, Kelly expanded this business all the way through to Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Mississippi, and eventually into New Mexico. Until one day in 1923 when he was caught operating a steel near present-day Ridgeway and sentenced to six months in the county workhouse. He ran, eventually turned up a few years later in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where he was arrested for bootlegging and fined $250. And in another arrest in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for selling liquor on an Indian reservation, sent him to the federal pen in Leavenworth, Kansas, for a three-year term. He was just trying to make a living. Well, this was prime time for bootlegging. Like, I, I couldn't find... So, obviously, I like to be able to tell you guys like in-depth stuff. I don't want to just tell you the basic stuff that yeah. you hear. Like we really do spend time like trying to find shit. There was one that I wanted to cover about the Bondurant boys and it's based off a movie called Lawless, but I couldn't find hardly anything. I've noticed that with some such we some <laughs> stuff that I research, it's easy to find. But some some yeah. stuff is just there's nothing. Yeah, so like with Machine Gun Kelly, I could find all his crime, but I like I said, they they're not even nobody's even sure what year he was born. Yeah, that's from everything I read. So yeah, he uh, did his first yeah, did his first stint in a federal pen, and while he was in there, he befriended bank robbers Charlie Harmon, Frank Nash, Francis Keating, and Thomas Holden. Using forged trusty passes, Keating and Holden walked out of the federal prison in late February 1930. Oh. Isn't that interesting? I'm just going to walk out of the prison today. Yeah, I'm tired What's of being here, guys. What's a trusty pass? What's a what? A trusty pass. It said using forged trusty passes. Oh, it's a trusty pass that they give, give their printers to trust them to come back. Yeah. That was a thing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For real. <clears throat> That's funny. Um, How do you think he got out the gate? He couldn't have got out with them passes. Prison I didn't officials, know that, though. But yeah. that's... The, the prison officials later accused Kelly and Harmon because they worked in the photography department um, of the Leavenworth prison They made their own trusty passes. Yeah. But... Um, Nothing ever came of that. They couldn't prove anything. So Keating and Holden escaped and headed for St. Paul, which, along with Kansas City and Hot Springs, Arkansas, were considered safe cities for underworld figures because of their corrupt city government. Nash would also escape from Leavenworth later that year, and he, too, headed for the safety of St. Paul. So when Kelly was released in the 1930s, that's eventually where he was headed. Now... Here's a little story I got to tell. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. 
this is just this was one of the parts where I was talking about on timeline timelines like some articles mentioned that this happened after before whatever blah 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 um but when he was released in 1930 and he was going to head to St. Paul. He made stops in Fort Worth in Oklahoma City where he oh. eventually hooked up with a bootlegger called Little Steve Anderson. <laughs> What's well, got to be Steve? What is it got to be Little? It was some time, sometime after his release from Leavenworth during this travel time that he met his second wife, Catherine Thorne, an attractive brunette with a quick wit and friendly smile and Ooh. who was also Anderson's mistress. Oh, <laughs> So she got passed around like a bottle of well, scotch. Well, that's what I'm about. That's what I was about to say. So Catherine Thorne, born Cleo May Brooks, eventually decided to call herself Catherine because it sounded more glamorous. Uh. Um, was born in 1904 in Saltillo, Mississippi. Had been married several times. Was involved in bootlicking and had a record of her own, including prostitution and theft. Mm, lovely. She was, yeah, she was said to have been a tough woman who often frequented speakeasies, could drink liquor like water, and ran with the crowd of other tough women. Oh, like Ash Handy, who's yeah. really tough. She'd been married three times by the time she met Kelly, her first one at only age 15, which was normal for that time, but yeah. still. She started early. She's also said to have been the one that bought Kelly his first Thompson submachine gun. Mm, that's love right there. I, can't, yep. I wish I could meet a woman who'd buy me a sub. Which this was a fun fact. I'm not really sure how true this is, but I guess he earned his nickname Machine Gun Kelly because he became so proficient in using the gun. He could write his name in lead and knock walnuts off a fence at 25 paces. Yeah, that's one thing I remember about him. They say he was awesome with that Tommy yeah. gun. Well, you can thank his whore of an old lady because apparently she bought it for him. Well, well, see, whores are okay. So anyway, at least she bought him a gun and bought him something. The yeah, whores of today just want you to well, buy them. Something. And I saw pictures of them. Like she wasn't not. I'm not saying it's okay, <laughs> but she was a really pretty lady. Um, she just was a little bit of a whore. She liked the candy sausage. Yeah. So her and George soon developed a romance and ran off together, allegedly, in Little Steve's Cadillac. Wow. <laughs> After the Kellys became famous, the bootlegger Little Steve boasted to the Tulsa world in 1933 that he married Catherine and employed Barnes for five years until his pedigreed bulldog disappeared. And he was quoted saying, I don't mind Kelly taking my wife in my car, but I wish he'd left that dog. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't mind him taking my wife on my car. Uh, I couldn't get a straight year for Catherine Thorne and George Kelly's marriage, but they did go off in a lope. And then she started traveling with him as he started his career of criminal activity. Criminal. Criminal. Which they didn't waste any time on... July, so he was released in, what did I say, 1930? Yeah. July 15th, 1930, Keating and Holden, remember the ones that got out on their trusty passes? Oh, the trusty brothers. Yeah. They showed their gratefulness to Kelly for his help in their escape from Leavenworth by inviting him to participate in robbing the bank 
of Wilmar, Minneapolis, a small town about 100 miles west of St. Paul. It's always the little towns. Yep. Accompanying the robbery was Harvey, Bailey, Vern Miller, and Sammy Silverman. They were just part of a gang, and an estimated $70,000 was stolen. But it was not a clean robbery, and they had some mistakes. <laughs> this a cashier was pistol-whipped. <laughs> oh. And when a group of onlookers formed outside the bank, one of the gunmen got kind of pissed off and unleashed a burst from his Tommy gun into the crowd, wounding a few of them. Way to go, dumbass. A month later, Silverman, one of the men that was on the robbery, and two of his associates from Kansas City were found shot to death in a wooded area just outside of St. Paul. Hmm, I wonder why. Exactly. During a prison interview in 1934, Kelly claimed uh, Miller had committed the murders after Silverman had double-crossed him. So one of the other guys on the job apparently did it. Double-crossing whore. Um, so yeah, he just kept robbing banks in September 1930. He helped rob a bank in Ottumwa, Iowa with a group of bandits, including Holden, Keating, Baylor, Miller, Fred Barker, and Larry Duvall. Duvall. Is that Stephen Duvall? <laughs> Isn't that a celebrity? I think so. Google it. You have your Google machine. Who is <laughs> Stephen Duvall? Because I really don't know. I feel like I should, though. Okay, there we go. Steve. God. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a retard. Okay, here we go. Steve. <laughs> D. E. Ball. Duvall, right there, I guess. Yeah. That just sounds familiar. Stephen Duvall. Uh, talent casting. Hmm. He, oh, wait. You know? Maybe I don't know him. Huh. Never mind, guys. I don't guess... Uh, I just do that. That name sounds familiar, but... I don't know. Well, anyways. <clears throat> that crazy. I... If you know who Stephen Duvall is and you know what we're talking about, send us a message, please. Please. <laughs> so they keep robbing banks. It's great. Um, April 8th, 1931. Um, they took $40,000 from the Central State Bank of Sherman, Texas. Kelly actually met the man near the Louisiana border in a second getaway car. So he did not... Um, participate in that one he just participated in the getaway then they continued to rob banks in nebraska minnesota and wisconsin they just went on a little spree there he's like hmm Harmon was eventually one of the guys that was in the gang was eventually killed on november 19th 1931 following a one hundred thousand dollar bank robbery with wow. holden and keaton at menomone Wisconsin? I'm sorry. I don't know how to say that. Uh, I used to live up there. That sounds about right. Metamoski. Metamosley. Uh, Francis Keating and Thomas Holden eventually joined with the Alvin Capri Barker gang to rob a bank in Fort Scott, Kansas on June 17th, 1932. And Keating and Holden were arrested a month later. Kelly participated in some of the robberies and at other times lived with his wife, Catherine, in Fort Worth, Texas. 
His list of Underworld Associates grew as he made his way from Texas to Kansas City, Chicago, and even Minneapolis. He traveled around. He did. He became acquainted with the members of the Kid Can Syndicate in Minneapolis, with Chicago mobsters, with Alvin Capri, and the Barkers, or Carpy. The, the Barkers. Yeah. His other accomplices on various crimes included Eddie Bentz, Eddie Dahl, and Albert Bates. I know Albert Bates was another popular career, career criminal. I don't know about the other two. Uh, yeah, he ran a hotel in California. Bates, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> what? Bates ran a hotel in California? Really? Called the Bates Motel. You never heard of the Bates Motel? That was a TV show. No, but for reals. And that was Norman Bates. <laughs> Alias. He was a gangster. True. That explains why he was such a mama's boy. I understand everything now. See? He bought that hotel with all his gangster money. <laughs> um, in September 1932, Kelly Bates, Eddie Bentz, and another seasoned bank robber traveled to Colfax, Washington, Near the eastern edge of the state, where on September 21st, they robbed the first trust and savings banks, bank of Colfax for $77,000. Damn. Which you got to understand. If he would have saved all that money, he'd have been a millionaire. Oh, well, we'll get to that. Because it's so He far, did. They never recovered all of it. Oh, God. I was going to say, because just a quick math on what I could see, it's close to $300,000 in money they robbed. Well, and that's... <laughs> the equivalent back, to how much now? Oh, that's, I'd say close to two, two million now, I think. Yeah, it, it's I mean, something like that. He could have did. From man. everything that I read, these guys would go on these bank robberies and then divide the money up between them. And then, I don't know about all of them, but like Kelly would stick his in jars and bury it at certain hideout places. Oh my God. And he had so many, they were never able to recover all the money. Jesus. So, yeah, he did save it. Sorry. My and that's crazy up. with with uh, outlaws like that. When they have their loot, it goes to the, goes to, goes to the cemetery with them because they can't tell anybody. That's like Pablo Escobar. They, they are still finding money that he buried. That man had yeah, so exactly. much money buried. So he did. He did save this. But yeah. eventually, you know, as they all do, he gets caught and he ends up in jail. And the money buried underground doesn't yeah. no good. Um, yeah, $77,000. So within weeks from that robbery, the police raided Kelly's home in Fort Worth. But the couple had already fled. Benz was arrested. Um, he admitted to knowing Kelly and Bates and acknowledged they had a hideout. Somewhere in Texas, but would not reveal the location and denied any involvement in the Colfax robbery. I did nothing. He eventually nothing. was able to make bail and he fled the state too. So, um, that is cool that he kept his mouth shut. Hell yeah, see, that wouldn't happen today. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, this is where we get to the end of the bank robbing part. This the bank robbing is not really what made him so famous. Um, there was you know so many groups of people that were doing it, so he was getting well known within the criminal world. But he really wasn't like super famous with like newspapers and stuff yeah. yet. 
His last known bank robbery was on November 30th in 1932. He, Bates, and a Chicago hoodlum named Eddie Dahl robbed the Citizen State Bank of Tupelo, Mississippi for $38,000. The bank's chief teller even went on to say that uh, Kelly was the kind of guy that if you looked at him, you would never think that he was a bank robber. Well, looking at his pictures, I mean. He was a good-looking dude. Yeah, he just looks like a normal Joe. Um, so it's, uh, 1932, 1933 ish. And, um, bank robbery is getting kind of old. Yeah. It kind of started. So the criminals are like, Hey, you know what sounds fun? Kidnapping relatively safe, easy way to a hefty payday. Yep. So now I could not find anything that confirmed this. So. I'm just going to read this, this front part. I don't, you know, whatever. Apparently, he had two first attempts in kidnapping before he did his other two that made him famous. But they were way less than perfect in both cases. And he actually even worked with a former police officer named Bernard Phillips. Neither of them did very well at all in the first one the victim was accidentally killed when phillips gun discharged for unknown reasons oh my god yeah in the second kelly basically said i decline any direct involvement because he believed that the victim didn't have any money and if you're kidnapping you're going after people who have money uh phillips went ahead with the plan anyway and quickly learned that kelly was correct and the victim didn't have shit so um Booyah. Luckily, they never got in trouble for that one. I guess the guy just took off and was happy he didn't die. But Kelly wisely decided to end all ties with the cop and went about his way to... Yeah, exact guy. <laughs> yeah. To, to bigger... Way to go. She's over here punching things. the microphone. <clears throat> I can't help it. a freaking match. Um, so, the two kidnapping stories that made him popular... So his first real one occurred at South Bend, Indiana on January 27, 1932. Howard Wolverton was a local manufacturer and banker's son. He was driving home from a theater with his wife. They were forced off the road by another car. Two gunmen entered their car and Howard Wolverton Wolverton was ordered to drive out of town. Following the two gunmen was another vehicle. They got two miles outside of the city. One of the gunmen took Wolverton back to the vehicle that had followed and left his wife, Florence, with a note demanding $50,000 ransom. Fuck um, it. They should have went for thirty. Yeah. Dumbass. If I'm getting in trouble, I'm going to do it good. George, Kelly, and Eddie Dahl were the two guys that were in on this one. Um, after driving a blindfolded Wolverton around northern Indiana for two days, the victim finally convinced his kidnappers he was unable to pay the ransom. So he released, they released him on the outskirts of Michigan City on his promise that he would raise the money later. But um, despite threatening letters and phone calls demanding the money, the guy just ignored him and they never saw anything from that deal either. <laughs> that was, <laughs> wow. So. You suck. Yeah. It is basically should have stuck to bank robbing. Yeah. Because the kidnapping deal is really what ended up getting him caught. Um, so now they're like, okay, we suck. We've got to like find somebody that has money. <laughs> 
which brings along the famous Urschel kidnapping. That's the one that he's the most famous for. Urschel. On the night of July 22nd, 1933, Kelly and an accomplice calmly walked onto the sun porch of millionaire oil man Charles F. Urschel. While he and his You're wife kidding me. were playing cards with friends at their Oklahoma City mansion. Two men armed with machine gun and the other a pistol opened the screen door and inquired which of the two men were Mr. Urschel. Receiving no reply, they just said, well, we'll take both of them. Um, they warned the women not to call for help. And then they marched the two men, Urschel and the other guy's name, last name was Jarrett to their car, blindfolded them, dumped them in the back seat of their roadster, and drove off in the middle of the night. They were driven to a point about 12 miles northeast of the city, and after the captives were identified, Jarrett was released because, obviously, they just wanted the rich guy, Urschel. Um, 1 a.m. Sunday, Ursha. July 23rd. Um, <clears throat> Jarrett made his way back to the Urschel redis re residence. God damn it. A few days later, the Urschel family received a ransom demand for $200,000. This was the largest ransom ever demanded up to that time. Ever. Ever. Among other things, the type note explained, remember this, if any trickery is attempted, you will find the remains of Urschel and instead of joy, there will be double grief for someone very near and dear to the Urschel family is under constant surveillance and will likewise suffer for your error. So, they actually got it on this one. The money was eventually dropped off outside a hotel in Kansas City, and per the instruction, nine days later, Urschel was back with his family unharmed. Mm. They pulled it off. Yay. I gotta take a drink of water because I've been talking a lot. But Yeah, she talks all the time. I'm about to tell y'all how he got caught. <laughs> he got caught using the money to buy a house. <laughs> I don't think it's that easy. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Quit farting. God. Brisket gives her gas. No, it doesn't. Wow. Defensive. That means You know that gas. I don't freaking fart or poop. Well, I mean, you're over here cutting them. Don't blame it on the chair because it's leather. I'm not farting. It's plather, so fart. So, before I tell you guys what happened with Kelly, this was a turning point. Um, this is just really sad, but one of the reasons why it was such a big deal, why they did what they did, is... Um, the Lindenburg Law. If you don't know about that. Yeah, Lindenburg. His baby it, got yeah, stolen. And it was a really uh, sad killed. situation yeah. where the same thing happened, but in 1932, they stole a 20-month-old kid, and um, he was abducted right from his crib in the upper floor of his home in Highfield. That's what's so crazy. In you New ever Jersey. looked into that? That's yeah. crazy. And on May 12th, the child's corpse was discovered by a truck driver on the side of the road. So they made kidnapping a federal offense punishable by death or life imprisonment, and they called it the Lindenburg Law. So by this point, you know, it didn't matter if you would have just kidnapped a grocery store clerk. Like, they were trying to take it super seriously because yeah. this little kid had just died. Yep. Um, 
Machine Gun Kelly was the first person to be charged under the Lindenberg oh law. Oh, my God. It was literally just that he, he couldn't have picked the worst timing on the planet. Wow. So um, the Urschel case was the first gangland kidnapping under the Lindenberg law, and police officials were determined to set an example. Hoover. Oh, God. FBI Hoover. Yeah, he was in charge. Who did the shit with Dillinger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he announced he was taking personal charge of the case, and he did, and promised to catch the dirty yellow rats responsible. Nationwide manhunt began, um, but it was actually Urschel's excellent memory that led authorities to his captors. Although he was blindfolded much of the time, he had noticed the sound of oil pumps working in a nearby field, and he recalled that a twin-engine airplane had flown directly overhead, except for one day when it rained. So a quick check of all flight schedules around Oklahoma City, combined with other details Urschel provided, led detectives to a lonely farmhouse outside of Paradise, Texas. This is another thing that Kelly fucked up on. The farmhouse where they were keeping him was Catherine's parents. Oh, God. So once they found the farmhouse, found out the farmhouse was Catherine's parents. Um, they just put two and two yep. together. They knew it was them. And on September 25th, 1933. Sorry. He, Kelly stepped outside in his underwear and picked up the paper. When he came back inside, he walked down the hallway to the bathroom and forgot to lock the door behind him. Way to go, mister. At that moment, two cars pulled up quietly outside the house special agents from the fbi leapt out and um had a sawed off shotgun stepped into the living room and found it empty through an open doorway they caught a glimpse of homeowners asleep but they still couldn't find kelly then kelly just stepped out of the bathroom with a pistol in his hand with a shotgun aimed at his heart, he knew the game was up, so he said, Okay, boys, and dropped the gun to the floor and said, I've been waiting all night for you. And Catherine was asleep in the back room. Oh. So, yeah. Um, the Kellys and Shannons in the first convention were the Jury responded with the expected verdict, guilty. In the trial of the Urschel kidnapping case. And the Kellys and Shannons were the first conviction under the Lindenberg Law. They were all sentenced to life imprisonment on October 9th, 1933. Catherine Kelly and her mother were shipped to the Women's Federal Prison in Alderson, West Virginia. She remained there until she was paroled in 1958. We're and shipping you out of yeah. here. She actually got out in 1958, worked for a nursing home in Oklahoma before dying in Tulsa in 1985. Dang. I remember that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly served his sentence in Leavenworth, but then he became one of the first <coughs> prisoners transferred to the brand new federal Alcatraz? prison. Alcatraz. Mm. Google Alcatraz for me. Let's talk about that for a minute, guys. Alcatraz is pretty cool. It's on an island, right? Yeah. A-L-A. Oh, sorry. T, right? Damn it, where'd it go? A-L-C-A. Oh, here we go. T-R-A-Z, yeah. Speaking of, if you live in Oklahoma, I don't know if you saw this on the news, but uh, last week, two guys 
Escape from the Oklahoma City prison. Oh, my God. Old school. Tying blankets and shit. You could see it hanging out the window. <laughs> what the fuck? And no one caught that? No, not till they were gone. Oh, my God. I just couldn't. It was so comical. Like, oh, wow. That's crazy. That's stupid. That's a... Now, what's the history on Alcatraz, though? It doesn't go anymore, right? No, it's not a prison. It started out in the uh, Civil War days as a uh, prison. Civil War, like a, for the war. Oh, now you can visit it and shit. Yeah, it's a tourist attraction. Yeah. This explains everything. I think our cousin, well, whatever he is to you, nephew. Who? Jeremy. Oh, yeah, I think Jeremy, he visited there because I have a hoodie of his that I stole that says, um, I survived Alcatraz. We apologize for our children. Do I need to let him out? Give us one minute, because Reed's being loud. Someone... It's okay. I'll record over it. Ow. Sorry. Get out. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, one day we'll have a quiet time. Yeah. One day we'll have a real studio. Yes. Anyway, Right now, we do not. Alcatraz. Yeah, it's a, it was a prison for years. That's where they sent the worst of the worst. Uh, Al Capone was there. The Birdman of Alcatraz was there. Well, Machine Gun Kelly was there, but he was eventually in return to Leavenworth. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool place. I'd love to visit. That thing is huge. Yeah. I'm so sorry for the dog barking. We have like a million adults outside yeah, that are then, supposed to be keeping things quiet. But, yeah. you know, apparently it's a really hard job to do. I so. know. It's ridiculous. Um. Anyways, the ending to my story was just that Machine Gun Kelly spent the rest of his life behind bars. He was eventually returned to Leavenworth in 1950s. Um, <clears throat> and he died in prison on July 18th, 1954, on his 59th birthday. Ooh. His father-in-law paroled from prison a few years earlier. So uh, old Catherine's dad brought his body back to Texas. A simple poured concrete gravestone marks his final resting place in Cottondale Cemetery close to the Shannon's old farm. We'll and visit listen that. to this. More than half of the ransom money, some $100,000, was never recovered. It's still buried somewhere on a ranch in places all over Texas. Sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. We're like, we're here we're we here just, and we need a everybody real knows Wednesday we record and everybody's <laughs> We need a like, real studio. Everybody's wanting to freaking call and come I visit. I can't help it that we're popular. Everybody loves us. But, uh, there's my guy. Ooh. I like an old man, too, though. Yeah. Well, see this guy, man. Joseph Savello or Savello? Savello. Now, remember, he took over after, uh, what's his, uh, one of the, the last brother that started the uh, Dallas Mafia died. Then he took over in, uh, 56. Yeah, he took over the family in 56, and uh, he, he was, uh, but he, 
was uh, one of the guys that attended the infamous Apache meeting. If you're good with your mafia stuff, you know what the Apache uh, or Apache. Anyways, it was a meeting up in uh, New Jersey in 1957. And apparently, like every 10 years, the bosses would all get together somewhere. Appalachia. Yeah, the Appalachia meeting. Um, and they met up there, and it's in uh, New Jersey. Well, what I got them caught is there's a DPS officer that lives down the street from this house they was having their little shindig at. He kept noticing these brand-new cars rolling up, guys in suits getting out, <laughs> He's like, coming hey. over here for a hamburg cooking hamburgers for a cookout and they're like they're kind of overdressed for a cookout so they started he started running the license plates and calling them into his buddy and he found out that they was all mobsters so they got a crap ton of buddies together and raided the place and that's when they started looking at the uh dallas family was when he got arrested up there Damn. Yeah. That was a That's big cool, thing. though. I can't even imagine, like, okay, I'm going to write down all these license plate numbers and, and then call, I call my in. buddy and be like, hey, yeah. I need to know who this is. It's crazy. Why would you meet like that anyway in his little suburb area, even if it was in the country? It would be like, it would be like, okay, you know how we have parties at my mom's house? Yes. But it would be like, Nowadays, everybody's showing up in Escalades and like wearing five hundred dollar dresses yes. and three thousand dollar suits, but we're hanging out in a double wide in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, that's when they started looking, you know, at his stuff he had in Texas, and uh, at the time he was in control of narcotics, gambling, and prostitution in some of the nightclubs in Texas. <laughs> You could get a Coke and a blow. Yeah. <laughs> kind of smoking a pancake. Smoking a BJ. A smoking a snort. And bonging a blitz. Mmm. Okay. And then January 13th, 1960, Gavello Savello was indicted for conspiracy and a pre-jury offense. Him the conspiracy and charges that got them every time. I know. They could never actually get them on anything concrete, but conspiracy shit. Yes. Every time. Well, he got indicted then, and 19 others of his, uh, we're saying it's thought of five years in prison. But within 10 months later, it was overturned that they got, uh, uh, what do they call it when the, People's fucking with the evidence, tampering with the evidence, yeah. or something like that. So it got evidence over tampering. So yeah. it got a what did he do? It get got acquitted? overturned, and everybody got out. But then, like from from basically, this guy was pretty quiet when he was the boss. I couldn't find anything bad really, besides when he got indicted. Then he got off of it, and then he died in nineteen seventy. And then the FBI quit looking for them, looking at Dallas because they thought, well, they're kind of minute now. They're they're last. Yeah, like all the big guys have died, so we yeah. have no reason to keep watching. Oh you. yeah, all the big guys from the past are gone, so they just kind of quit watching them. But they say after that, a uh, Joseph Lonnie took over. So I I don't know who's doing it now. But then so this Savalo guy. Ooh, look at your little yes. diagram here. Look, this is all who this is who he was related to. Frank D. Simone from the LA family. And then Antonio Musso from the Rockford, Illinois family. And then J uh, James, James Vincenzo. 
He was oh Coletti. Oh, for yeah, Coletti. Oh. He was from the from the uh, Colorado family, and these were just his friends. Benny Bynan, he was just a regular old gangster, but he was pretty well known apparently. And this uh, Giovanni Almonte, he was a capo for the Lukey crime family. And then you got Carlos. Oh, yeah, I've Mar heard of them. Yeah. And it's Carlos uh, Marcelos. He was the boss of New Orleans. And they say he was the one who, even though they had families and a boss over here in Dallas, he was still like the, the main guy down here. See, and that's what people liked about here in Texas because it was so big. And like in New York, you got that's five families. Said. Sorry. <laughs> I can't and in it. New York, you got five families. You could do the same thing here in Texas. You had Dallas, Houston, Galveston, I believe El Paso, and I think Abilene or something. Abilene. But the Carlos guy, and then Jimmy the Hat Lonzi, he was I've the, heard of that one, too. Yeah. He was part of the San Francisco family. See, that's, their internet strung everywhere. And then Santiago Franchine... What? Traficante? Yeah, Traficante. He was from the... He was the boss of Tampa Bay. I've known about him. He was another. I've heard about Santo. I'm sorry, but these these words are hard to pronounce. Yes. I'm just plain ass white. I'm not Italian or French or anything. <laughs> but that was right. just his. Um, that was just his friends, and the first ones was his relatives. I'm like <laughs> his Dang. friends. Just his. Friends. I really like his style as well. Yes, he keeps it. I mean, and there was nothing I could find. I mean. It, in his younger days, I found stuff. He had them. That's how he got in the family. He ran a, uh, he had a little gang. And then he got, came on there, and then he became a capo and worked his way up. See, in the mob, you start out as a foot soldier. Working for a crew that works for the family. Well, then you get moved up in that crew, and let's say you become the capo of that crew. I mean, you become the leader of that crew. You're still a foot soldier, but you're still, like, kind of high. You're not a piece of shit foot soldier. You're a big guy well when you when you become a capo you run them little gangs they work for you so like me and ashley our little, we would be capos and then when you become a capo you're a made man because you you are like a part of the family even you though the family. now but would they do that for people that weren't blood relation yeah back in the old days you had to be blood relations and your blood had to uh, originate from sicily oh okay so I don't, and this is irrelevant, but you like. You see, uh, Lucky Luciani's the one who changed that. One of his right hand men was like half Irish, half Italian. Okay. So well, you've seen them. you've seen Boondock Saints, right? Yeah. Do you remember the guy that goes crazy and yes. he literally knows everything about the mob, but they like never let him do anything more, so he goes against him. Yeah. The guy that gets all crazy and shoots. Yeah, I shot your fucking cat. <laughs> I can't go to the gas station without running into nine guys. <laughs> you fucked. <laughs> That's so funny. If you've ever seen Boondock Saints, oh he is an exuberant character, yeah. but. It's a it's a great movie. But yeah, he pretty much kept his nose clean. Like I said, when he took over the family in '56, he really kind of didn't. Once he worked up in the family, I noticed he kind of quit doing. Well, when you work yourself up the family like that, you don't have to do so much of the killings and the bullshit anymore. So, but yeah, he was one of them old dons, man. He was old school, very old school.
Look at him, young old guy. Old school. Yeah, I like it though. I like the old style. All right. Well. All right. So, I have an announcement to make. She's pregnant. No, hell no! Don't you put that evil <laughs> on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Um, I want y'all to keep listening, and since this one was a long time, I want you to tune in next week for Deep Thoughts with Ash Handy, brought to you by Hot Secretaries. But yes. I would like Steven to share why there will only be four comments instead of five. Oh, yeah. Usually we do, you know, five. Yeah. Well, I was dry, like, a, like I do Like every... we said last time, it's like a whole network. Like all these guys that comment on Pornhub, like they yes. all know each other. They, they all know. Yeah. I mean, they're like, hey, what's her name? Oh, well, that's uh, Lisa Munke. She did this, this. She used to work for the Bang Brothers. Now she's, I'm like, they keep up with them like guys that keep up with football. But Steven was finally grossed out enough that yeah, he had to, had to leave I the comment section. I was looking for number four, and when I was, I seen this one post that Scott wrote that said, uh, basically, he just spanked his monkey and spooged on his belly, and he was like, mmm, and I just, I don't know. I'm done. <laughs> that motherfucker ruined it with his nasty ass. So whoever you are, thank you. You sick ass. Yeah, I mean, we're I'm, just we're whew. trying to get a different feel. You know, episode ten has had the most plays, and I don't know what we did in that one. We're gonna yeah. start trying to get to the stories first and trying to bullshit a little bit more at the end and yes. advertise at the end. See if that works a little bit. Whatever we did in we'll episode ten, y'all love it. Don't forget, guys, uh, we're on Stitcher and we're on uh, Podbean, too, now. Yeah, and iHeart and Spotify. And our email. And Apple Music. Yeah, Apple Music. Send me a fucking email. Borderline Texas emails, Trash man. at Yahoo.com. I'm and so lonely. We've got our Twitter. I'm, <laughs> I'm so lonely. What's that Chinese guy off that movie with the ones that made South Park? America... Fuck yeah! Oh, Team America. Team America. Yeah. Here that Chinese guy on there. The motherfucking day, yeah. yeah well, They're making fun of Kim Jong Un. Yes, and they? he's going through the I'm hallways so going, wrong. I'm so wrong. <laughs> if you like puppets and you like comedy, you should watch I'm Team America. I'm surrounded by fucking idiots. But y'all check out the Instagram and the Twitter. Yeah. Facebook, been, too. Been working really hard on the Facebooks and the Instagrams and all the research. And like I said, we're just going to keep doing every episode the way that we feel maybe you'll like it and we're just kind of basing it off which ones you're playing the most so yeah Since, next week yeah. i'm not for sure who i'm gonna cover don't know if i'm gonna cover the houston family or the galveston family or i might just say screw it and just cover something else i'm gonna try to find something that didn't take as long as this one because i don't want to be an asshole and like take up all the time just on my stories every time we can always break them up if they get That's too true. big we can always break them up i so think do that i think this was good yeah. and the only reason i stopped on the deep thoughts is because like i said i want to make y'all want to come back come back so i feel like taking it away from you today and i'll give it back to you next week <laughs> but yeah we successfully brought you these stories today with a belly full of brisket and garlic bread yes it was yummy god it was, it like was yummy. a white trash five yes it was meal. freaking amazing yeah i loved it 
Uh, but uh, you guys uh, can start going to Patreon and check our stuff out. And we're going to start, like I said, we're going to have our normal stuff on here. But if it's uh, in the next, I'd say the next, what, three ep three or four episodes is when you might look for that uh, watch along. And if it goes good, we'll start doing watch alongs, but on Patreon. So let yep. us know. We'll try that in the next couple of weeks. We'll get it planned out. And I want to try to start getting some more stuff just for Patreon with me and uh, Ashley. Steven just, doesn't know anyone's name today. No, I've got to went name dumb. We have too many dogs and animals and, yes. and kids. <sighs> Last week was so nice recording. You know, surprisingly, today, though, I Besides haven't heard anything. Dog, I haven't heard anything from the kids. I know. How kids nice have been of good. them. How nice of them. That's very nice. <laughs> so sweet of you. <laughs> I'm from her sake. Speak of the devil, someone's at the door, so I guess I'll we be better. I'm son of a bitch. You fucking... know what I mean? It's the most recognizable name in podcasting today. <laughs> Stephen Booth, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys. Well, you know what I say. Uh, be good or be good, be good at it. Be good and be square and don't be too aware. The power with the flower. I'm Stephen Booth, and I'll see you next hour. Love you guys. Thank you.